0: Going to Alternatives for Girls on Detroit's southwest side, I wasn't totally sure what to expect. But I can tell you that I did expect, at the very least, to find a parking spot. And that didn't happen. I actually had to park illegally on the side of their long driveway in order to just park and go in. There were no parking spots available. So I was immediately tipped off to the fact that there's a big need for Alternatives for Girls and their services and what they provide. I hope you guys really enjoy my interview here with Amy Good. And visit their website and support them because they certainly need it. And then if you'd like to support the show, email us at Detroitersdoinggood at gmail.com. Hello out there. I'm Eddie White, the host of Detroiters Doing Good. And I'm here today, really great interview, really great nonprofit for you guys to uh, hear about. I'm here with Amy Good, CEO of Alternatives for Girls. And I would love to introduce the company, but I think, Amy, you would probably do, do the best here. So uh, just I've done a bit of research about you guys, but the listeners maybe have it. So kind of give a quick rundown of what you are, what you guys do.
1: Sure. Thank you, Eddie. And thanks for doing this project, and thanks for including Alternatives for Girls. I'm really happy to be part of this really neat project. Um, so uh, Alternatives for Girls uh, serves homeless and high-risk girls and young women Um, we're located in southwest Detroit Uh, we just celebrated our 31st anniversary so we've been around for a while we serve the whole city and to some extent beyond Um, but uh, but we are located in southwest Detroit and uh, we we serve homeless and high-risk girls and young women through three basic areas of of services one is our shelter where we take in girls and young women who are homeless on their own that is without a a parent or a guardian some of them have children some of them are pregnant some of them are both pregnant and they have children and some of them are neither pregnant nor parenting Um, so they you know parenting status is not a requirement one way or another but we take in girls and young women who are to oversimplify things too old for the foster care system and too young for the adult shelter system.
0: And then do you do that? Do you have a, like a shelter? We I think have a you shelter.
1: Yep. We're, we're located almost all of our services are in this very building. Um, and our shelter is here. Yes, we have 24 beds for girls and young women ages 15 to 21. And we have an, uh, an additional 14 beds for their young children. Okay, uh, So we take them in. We help them get safe, get well, get calm, um, and then start planning and get into to get their education back on track at a job. So we can talk more, but that's one area. A second area is our outreach program. We do a range of different things. Um, we do including street outreach where we drive around the streets all hours of the day and night and work with girls and women of any age who are involved in the sex industry. Many of them are victims of sex trafficking. Um, we also work with high school age girls who are at risk um, of of who are actually involved in high risk activities, um, and we educate them. We recruit those who are in, involved in some high risk activity. We educate them about in a very rigorous curriculum about making safer choices, and then we pay them to go out and educate their peers in a wide range of areas of information just about the risks that they may be facing in their lives and how to address, minimize, manage those risks. Um, we also, as part of that program, we have a social enterprise, a sewing project, um, where girls and women work on learning sewing skills and prepare for um, for the job market. And in the meantime, they, they sew things, they get paid, uh, While they're doing that, and they sell their goods um, as part of our project in various boutiques, the DIA, lots of different places. Um, uh, We have a crisis center as part of our outreach program as well. People can call in, walk in, and we'll help them on the phone or in person uh, via the the Internet um, to find the resources that they need. And then finally, there's our prevention program. So there's shelter, outreach, and prevention. In our prevention program, we work with girls from kindergarten through high school who are living with their parents, mostly in southwest Detroit. Um, We help them and we help their families help them stay in school. We do that through a wide range of things. We do lots of pregnancy prevention programming. Um, We also help them. Uh, start a 529 college savings account when they're in middle school and we do lots of things to incentivize their regular saving we match their savings up to a maximum we have $500 per girl someday we hope to have more um, but we do lots of college visits and financial literacy and lots of support to help them prepare for college not just to get in but to complete college to succeed in college and to be prepared financially, academically, and socially. So that's an overview of what we do. Wow, doing.
0: okay, I hope the listeners, I hope you guys have been taking notes out there because this is really, I mean, when I was looking and researching you guys, just the sheer amount and scope of what you do was really mind-blowing to me, and that's really kind of what I wanted to touch on and get you to go over a little bit here because you guys do, you do a lot, um, and I did notice on your website, mm-hmm. I suppose this is in line with your, you know, just the wide range of programs that you guys have, Y'all have like testimonials from people, quotes from people, mm-hmm. and they'll say, you know, I, I really found a home here. I really this was really able to help me move forward, do X, Y and Z. And mm-hmm. it'll say, you know, something like from Taylor, mm-hmm. you know, 16 and future something, future nurse, right. future occupational therapist. Right. So I thought that that was really interesting. Can you maybe elaborate a bit on how you get people to kind of see that future for themselves, mm-hmm. see that vision yeah, you know, obviously you guys encourage that, but but how do you do those kinds of things?
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that question, and I appreciate that you noticed and took an interest in that uh, that um, material on our website. Um, yeah, future visioning is a really important part of all of our programs. Uh, we convey messages in lots of different ways that each of the girls and women that we serve has a future. She has great potential. Um, one of the things that we, f- we emphasize in all of our programs is community service um, and that the, those we serve have a great deal to give and to contribute. And we, we uh, really harp on that and we really help them see that they not only have a lot to contribute to their community, but that their community needs them. We seriously need them. They are not helpless weak, needy individuals. They are girls and women who, who have their, you know, they, they have lots of talents. They have lots of skills. We help them identify opportunities that they have every right to access education, you know, edu- um, grants to help support their education, financial aid. They have skills that are can be very marketable. Sometimes they have to be transferred from one sort of use to a different sort of use, but they have skills that can be very effective job skills. They can support themselves. They can support their families. They can be stable, and they can contribute to their communities. So we educate them. We help them see those possibilities in lots of ways. More than anything else, by doing they do community service throughout the time that they're here. They meet and spend time with those who have walked in those paths before, and who are now doing great things. Um, they can see themselves in women that surround them here, who have struggled, um, and who, with you know, who have uh, identified support and used that support to get somewhere. We really love having women in various careers especially but not limited to non-traditional careers for women come here and spend time with them and help them with resumes help them with workshops we do a lot of different job shadowing programs so they can see themselves in other successful
0: women right okay so really it's more of you're helping them see their potential (coughs) you're helping them kind of Mm -hmm. see the places that they can they can Mm -hmm. reach as opposed to Maybe telling them where they can go, right? Exactly. You're helping them them see that for themselves. Would that exactly. be accurate?
1: And we help them be there. I mean, we do college visits. We do, um, you know, we make sure they get exposed to resources the community has to offer that they may have not recognized are for them too, like the libraries that we have. There's an exhibit at the DIA right now that we partnered with and the girls and women in our sewing project contributed to this um, this project is called Labor of Love um, by the, the Toledo's, who are artists and designers. And our sewers contributed to that project. And there is a piece of that exhibit that's at the DIA right now that acknowledges their contribution. So we had a lot of them at the DIA on the opening a few weeks ago. And they. it's just another example of they can, yes, they belong at the DIA. They belong it, you know, every place throughout the community and they deserve access to resources that our community has to offer.
0: Wow, that's really that's really exciting. I think it, the DIA maybe isn't a place that a lot of people see themselves, but uh, that accomplishment, I can definitely see how you accomplish that and you get to a place where you never thought you would be. Now mm-hmm. that opens it up for you. Now, mm-hmm. now you start thinking bigger.
1: Right, and other places too where they may have thought they didn't belong. College campuses. We want them to feel really comfortable on college campuses. Like, the, yeah, they can belong there. They, we, there's an alumnus of our prevention program who's serving on the Detroit City Council right now. And, uh, they, they, they can see themselves there. They can see themselves as leaders. They, we do a lot of leadership development. If you can be a leader in your family, in your small group of girls here at AFG, in your community as a, an organizer, you can see yourself as a leader in lots of different roles.
0: That's really, really exciting. I think that you guys really do offer something here, a lot of things here, but I think a challenge might be, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is getting people to listen, getting people in that door. It seems like maybe once they're here, you know, they can kind of see what's going on. And, it, and I know you mentioned earlier, you guys drive around all hours of the day and night. You try to engage people. It's one thing to get in front of somebody, but I think it's another thing to make them listen and and really have what you say resonate with them. How did you guys do that, you know, maybe at the beginning when you didn't have as much notoriety as you do now? And then how do you guys do that now? Has that strategy changed? Can you just elaborate a little Mm. bit on how you get people to kind of come in the door and accept, you know, what you guys are trying to help them see? Sure. Uh,
1: It's true that the girls and women we serve face a lot of challenges and and some of the most daunting challenges um, as with anybody come from within. Um, they may have grown up um, having been told over and over and having internalized the message that they are not good for much, that they do not have a lot to contribute, that they don't have a future. And so there are those messages, not to mention the, the you know objectifying of women messages that they face just in the broad society all the time in social media you know from individuals they may have had in their lives so there are those messages that we need to combat but having said so so yeah so that's there and that's real um we have to be very strategic and focused in combating those negative messages that a lot of them have grown up with and have heard um consistently and also they may not have been exposed to role models and peers that have faced similar struggles and succeeded. So, you know, again, they do get exposed to those things. Um, but having said that, I will say that the the demand and the need for our services consistently is greater than our capacity. Um, we don't have a problem getting people in the door. Um, you talked about when we were less well-known than we are now, but The girls and women and families that learn of us, uh, you know, generally don't need a lot of convincing, uh, you know, somebody, a a 17-year-old girl or 18-year-old young woman who's homeless by herself is generally, um, I mean, with some trepidation, but generally interested in coming to check out a safe shelter off the street, especially one that's gender specific, that's all girls and women. Um, once they get here, I mean, we really follow their lead. Our our mantra, one of our mantras, is that we help them identify their values and their priorities, and then help open up barriers that stand between them and their goals. So it's not that we have to drill something into them about being interested in help. It's more um, that we expose them to the possibilities that they really can achieve. And the drive, just like some of the obstacles, comes from within. It's there.
0: Awesome, thank you so much for that, that answer. I uh, really, that's just really exciting to me, how you guys are able to really make this difference in the community. Uh, and then speaking of the community, I did notice on your board, you guys have some really, I, I would describe them as quote unquote like heavy hitters on your board. You have people from Comerica Bank, which for those of you that might not know, that's a, that's a very large bank in the Detroit area, Ford Motor Company, uh, Trinity Health, I think I saw on there. So you yes. definitely have some influential people on, on your board and within your organization, sure, that I don't know about. What's it like working alongside those people and with those people like on a daily, weekly, monthly basis?
1: We are so fortunate, we are so fortunate to have wonderful people on our board who are not only connected with the organizations that you mentioned and others that are strong, powerful, influential within this community, but also the individuals on our board are deeply committed to Alternatives for Girls' mission. Um, So it's easy to be with them because they are extremely committed and each of our board members and others and lots of individual donors who, what we find is that once people learn about our mission and about the need that exists in the community, the hundreds and sometimes thousands of girls and young women that are homeless by themselves and otherwise at risk, once people get a deeper understanding of that need and of our response to that need that's very much um, based in grassroots and in responding to what the community needed. It's easy for people to grow really committed to work alongside our staff and our participants. Because as as I said, the girls and women that we serve They do the really heavy lifting. They are courageous. They're brave. They're strong. They're motivated. And with just relatively a small amount of help from us, they go so far. So that's really motivating. And the folks that are on our board, we are grateful to them. They could choose lots of other charities. Um, It's really exciting to us when people choose to support us, um, and it makes all the difference because – we started because there was really, there, there were gaps in the safety net and nobody was addressing the needs of these populations and that's why we started. That's, that's why we started and that's why we started out doing what we did and why we continue to do what we do because these are gaps that needed to be filled. And the folks that support us from, you know, being donors to volunteers to board members and everything in between um, can see the impact of even small amounts of contributions so it's it's pretty motivating for people when they get close to us and it's motivating for all of us staff to be supported by so many people who have other choices but they choose afg's mission
0: so let's get maybe a little a little more specific a little more maybe retrospective so you've been You started Alternatives for Girls. It was a volunteer-run organization originally, correct? And now you guys have full-time staff. You guys have, you know, uh, you just won the award for Cranes Detroit Best Managed Nonprofit. That's something that means a lot to me personally because I think not all nonprofits are created equal. So take me through from maybe a little bit from inception from – when you started this thing to now you know cranes detroit best managed nonprofit i mean it's obviously a big jump you guys have a lot more expenses now a lot more people you're able to reach more people thank goodness did you ever think you were going to get this far did you ever was this ever in the in the grand master plan back in back in the 80s uh, uh,
1: ex- absolutely not um and i i would um want to clarify that I would never say I personally started AFG I was part of the neighborhood I was part of the group Um, you know I was part of the group that started alternative girls I I was the one that happened to be in a situation where I could um, focus full-time on the work at a certain point um, and and run with it from that role Um, but there was a group of people um, group of us living in Southwest Detroit in, in the very near section of Southwest Detroit around where Tiger Stadium used to be, um, who just noticed an alarming increase in the number of girls and young women that were on the streets that were in harm's way, that were sleeping in the park on Trumbull, um, that were involved in street-based prostitution, Um, even little girls, elementary school-age girls that were just not going to school. Um, And one conversation led to another, uh, and led to another, and we came together in this... In, in a community forum in June of 1987 and talked about what needed to be done. We identified the, the areas of priority that uh, you know had had risen to the top of everybody's attention and talked about what needed to be done. And what was observed was that um, uh, those who were, that there, there were homeless girls and young women who approaching 18, but not quite 18, 17, 16, sometimes even 15 years old, who were not being taken into the foster care system because priorities were younger children, and yet they were too young for the adult shelter system. Uh, it's, it's against the law to take in minors uh, without a license. That minors who are not accompanied by a parent or guardian without a child caring institution license. So, and even those who are adults, 18, 19, 20, who are eligible to go to an adult shelter would sometimes, would often, we found, choose not to because they were afraid of the rumors they'd heard about adult shelters. So there was that unmet need. That was one big issue that we identified. Another one was there were girls and women who were prostituting in the street. It was an increasing thing. There was no compassionate response to that population. Neighborhoods tended to respond by, I'm using air quotes here, sweeping them off out of one neighborhood, simply into another. Um, and we we found that there was just no constructive supportive response or set of resources that girls and women who were engaged in street-based prostitution felt comfortable accessing, and somebody had to do something about that. And then finally, we were all determined that if we were going to find a way for resources to be invested in in um, crisis resolution, that we were also going to prioritize prevention. So Uh, This group came together and talked about these things, identified these priorities, and decided, take on the name Alternatives for Girls. We were going to find some positive alternatives for girls and young women in Southwest Detroit. We didn't expect that we would become an agency. We thought the project would take us maybe a year. But as time went on, we found that just the lack of resources that led to these gaps in the safety net in the first place was continuing, and, and existing service providers were not interested in taking up you know, finding a way to add these services to address these gaps in the safety net because there was just, there were no resources. Um, We end up actually starting the shelter without money. We started the shelter in response to the need because it had to be done. Uh, And and we had actually applied for a grant, not gotten that grant from HUD um, back in 87, the end of 87. And uh, I always think of that time, this time of year, um, because it was, it was in January of 1988, a very, very bone-chilling, painfully cold day in January of 1988 that a girl came to the door, a 16-year-old girl, and she really had no options. Uh, and we just kind of looked at each other and said, well, we're starting the shelter today. <laughs> um, not, the, not, not the most common kind of business plan. We had no, no money. But we just called volunteers and said, come on down, take a shift. If you can't do that, send money. We opened the shelter. We were full by the end of the week with five beds. Ran the shelter 24-7 with volunteers and the pastor of St. Peter's Episcopal Church. And I kind of took turns spending the night, and we were off and running.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know if you could write a Hollywood script better than that. I think that that... uh (laughs) You're you're starting things in the dead of night, and uh, you know no money. And if you build it, they will come. And I mean, you guys have this just wonderful building now, and and you know increased capacity to serve people. How did you um, going through all of this? What's like your what's your proudest moment as you know during your time with Alternatives for Girls? Was there a moment where you said, you know, this is why I did this. This is what's worth it. I'm j- I'm sure there were probably several, but does anything really stick out in your mind as Okay, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I got into into this.
1: There are many. There are many, and maybe I'll cite two types because okay. they're really. Different. It's a little. It's
0: a little cheating here, but <laughs> I think uh, I think I'll Sometimes, let you have it.
1: You know, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah, that's kind of how we exist. Um, I, I mean, they're very different. So one is just I think about the the number uh, a number of girls and women. That have found their bearings by being here, and again, I give them the credit. Uh, our staff deserve a tremendous amount of credit. Our volunteers, our donors, everybody, but the girls and women themselves deserve the lion's share of the credit because they have to do the hardest work, and you know, make this journey. But so many of them have gone so far. I, I mentioned the, uh Raquel Casaneda Lopez, who's on Detroit City Council, and uh, we honored her a few years ago, and she spoke about. Uh, the opportunities that she was exposed to by being a part of the prevention program at Alternatives for Girls, she and her sisters. Um, and uh, to see someone like that go so far and to, to, to bring so many others up with her. There's another young woman uh, who was, um, unlike Raquel, this other young woman was a resident of our shelter, um, and she had – really a a, a shortage of personal and material resources in her life and she is a very resourceful person she needed our help and she used our help very well and she went to college one of my proudest moments was when she invited me to her um thesis presentation when she was about to graduate from eastern michigan university she wrote a thesis uh, an honors thesis on youth homelessness um That was a really proud moment. She graduated. She went on, um, got her master's degree, and she has started a program, and I won't be specific because I I would leave it to her to identify herself by name, but she has started a program, um, a a drop-in center for homeless youth, uh, and she is quite a leader and um, has been recognized as such, and she's done tremendous things. So I love to see girls and women growing to be the type of women who share, who who uh, build power, claim their power, and share their power. So that's something that really makes me proud.
0: That's really cool. I'm really excited to just sit here and be a part of it and hear that, <laughs> and I hope the, the listeners are too, because, I mean, that's what, that's what this podcast was started uh, for, and that's what it's all about, so... Thanks so much for sharing that uh, with me. I think that we'll probably start to wrap up here. Do you have anything else to say for for kind of the good of the order? If people want to get, you know, involved, what should they do? Oh, yeah.
1: Um, Yes, there are are tremendous opportunities for just about anybody to get involved in our work. And we really need people to get involved in our work because it continues to be the case that there is no steady stream of funding to address the needs that Alternatives for Girls addresses. And we need all kinds of support we need volunteers we need donors um, we need just community people to help us in one specific way or another come in and do you know be part of a job fair come in and sit down and make dinner with the girls in, sh- in the shelter and chat with them um, let them know about your career so we need all kinds of donations we need lots of help um, it's easy to find us on our website, alternativesforgirls.org, um, and we just we make this work with a combination of thousands of individuals who give us money, give us their time, labor of love, their expertise. That's what works, and uh, it's easy to to join us. I invite people to do that. You know, I talked about the girls and women that we serve doing community service. I think. Anybody who's done community service knows what a joy that is, and we feel strongly that the girls and women that we serve deserve that too. They deserve to know that awesome feeling that comes from being a contributor. So it's a really great feeling to be part of our mission and our work, and I invite people to join us in that.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Again, that website is alternativesforgirls.org. You guys can check it out. This has been an episode of Detroiters Doing Good, and I will see you guys in the next one.